from The Library of Babel by Jorge Luis Borges. The library will endure. It is the universe. As for us, everything has not been written. We are not turning into phantoms. We walk the corridors, searching the shelves and rearranging them, looking for lines of meaning amid leagues of cacophony and incoherence, reading the history of the past and our future, collecting our thoughts and collecting the thoughts of others, and every so often glimpsing mirrors in which we may recognize creatures of the information. This is Gothic. Season 4 of the Gothic Podcast may contain sensitive material not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I creep in the side door of the library. It doesn't ever seem to be locked anymore, at least when I try it. With a nervous glance, side to side, in case Phoebe is lurking somewhere, I continue through the shelves, row after row. I can never put my finger on when the change happens but suddenly the shelves aren't shelves anymore. The rows are pews now, stretching back through the nave of a great cathedral. I can't help but turn in a circle, drinking in the details. Pointed arches stretch into dimness overhead, grand columns anchoring them. I have to tear my eyes away from the array of intricate, multicolored windows. I'm here for a reason, after all. I heft my pack with the first of my belongings. This place feels like home in a way that nothing else ever has and I continue toward the front, I guess, of the cathedral. After a steep climb up the north tower, I unpack what I brought, books mostly, and a blanket, and a few of the carvings I've been working on for Nick, Dylan, and Jody. Glancing upward, I can see the bells, and somehow I know their names as well. Marie, Guillaume, Jacqueline, Gabrielle. They seem so familiar even though I hadn't seen them until a couple of days ago. Unable to resist a walk outside, I hop onto the parapet and look out. The city is swathed in mist like always, but somehow it seems less dense now from up here, like I can see the city more clearly than ever. Victor? Laverne? Hugo? I tip my cap to the nearest gargoyles. See anything good lately? They brood out over the walls like always, but a couple of times I could swear they seem to move. Once again I have to shake myself. It's getting late and I have more to do. Ariel's description of the Hayashi Mansion needed some looking into. And where better to do that than the library? As long as I could avoid Phoebe. So I clamber down the stairs, back through the forest of pews and into the forest of books, to read about other forests. Ones that might have bodies hanging in them. Alright, hey there Sojourners, and welcome back to the Gothic Podcast. Jesse is waving if you can't see him through the airwaves. Emphatically waving. 
emphatically waving. And then Sharon was doing something sort of akin to jazz hands. <laughs> I was Gyrating waving. and waving. <laughs> There's all sorts of gyration <laughs> and hand waving going on here. Playing my pencil like a maraca. <laughs> and me, I'm just rolling my eyes. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Well, We've had a couple of pretty exciting episodes, even the episode where it was you all discussing things in Baz's enclave. In and then his... Phoebe, like, popping out of nowhere and giving us a jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> Phoebe giving, the, uh, giving our cast members a jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> so Phoebe uh, has entered the space. Uh, which is separate from the great library of the city there on the edge of the university district. Inside of that library, this space is a cathedral connected somehow to Baz. And perhaps you now have somebody who can answer some of your questions because Phoebe has come in and said, Yeah, your riffs. Now, show yourselves or get out of my library. Uh, Phoebe, what's a rift? Show yourselves. Are we invisible? I can hear you. I cannot see you. And I knew something was off earlier. I knew it. And I knew it had to be something beyond the norm. And here you are, invisible. I'll go ahead and step out into the, like, the center aisle of, like... Yeah, I I follow. I'd have stood up, uh, also. Can Baz do something to, like, manipulate the... Yeah, I think, Baz, I think you need to do a change the game here to uh, make a tag that's something like revealed whatever power. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Let me know if this sounds applicable. Uh, I mean, there in a flash sounds uh, different than I meant it, but yet appropriate to the situation (laughs) as a power tag. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, I mean, maybe occult knowledge? Like if he's trying to manipulate the the misty structure of this existence. Yeah, no, I like that. I like I like occult knowledge. I'm a little iffier on the other one, but I'm willing to I'm willing to allow it there in a flash. <laughs> uh, I'm also this is Phoebe, who you are kind of right. scared of, and so I think it would be perfectly fair to tag it as as your as your weakness. Yeah, for sure. Okay, all right then. With a power of one, I'm changing the game. The power of one. I rolled. I rolled a nine. Woohoo! Ah, nine with a power of one. So you can create a story tag, uh, which is, I think, maybe hmm, phaseable. Okay. I almost want to say that we should have had Cadence help out here if she could have, just because she has experience with yeah. things oh, that are right. in different parts of the world. That would make a lot of sense. <laughs> could I have done that, like? You know, we don't know how to play this game, so I'm willing That's to do true. that retroactively. <laughs> if you have a help point you can use on Baz. I do have a help point I can use on Baz. Okay, so that's a power of two, then. Story tag with a power of one and then scale it up. Yes, because of tight like that. No, total total power of two. I just take your help point. Oh, uh, I tight see. like that, I think, is still marked off because we haven't had downtime to... Well, it says one, once per session, though. Oh. That's fair. I don't think it's a um, tag. Yeah, so if a... you want to use it again this early, I mean, we're at the very <laughs> yeah, beginning. Yeah, but we might want to save it for something. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and I mean, I didn't think we'd want to use it for that. I, I would think it would just be, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of like trying to manipulate the the ether here, and, and you're like, I see what you're trying to do, and I know you don't know how to do it. <laughs> so you kind of like <laughs> put a little, shock that I do. <laughs> I have a little bit of experience with putting all eyes on myself. <laughs> so, right, exactly. So Cadence, like, puts a hand on on Baz's shoulder, and maybe we collectively, like, take one more step toward Phoebe and, Mm -hmm. you know, appear to her. That actually appears to be how that might work, is that as you get closer to the person, they become more aware of you, uh, becomes more uh, physical. And so you do, and, yeah, you get a minimum of two juice on that one. So, and I mean, I think scaling up the effect to cover all three of you is probably the the way to go there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, so all three of you step out of the shadows as far as, um, Phoebe can tell, although she, she knows she sees you materialize there. You can see her eyes widen and she goes, ah, invisibility. They can cover three people. Nice. So you can tell too, that she doesn't know about the space that that others, otherworldly space exists here, but, she definitely does know about people with powers. Baz opens his notebook and circles Phoebe. <laughs> Which has lines list. crossed through it from last time. <laughs> You're like, nope, I never mind. I love She's that <laughs> so much. <laughs> all right. So you are definitely rift. Are all three of you rifts or just one of you? We don't know what What's you mean. What's a rift? Oh, goodness. Um, you're foundlings. Uh, fledglings. Uh, what? All right. Um, she looks around. Come with me. And you are back in the library here, the space that uh, was this cathedral uh, stretching all around and, and mostly above you, uh, stretching up to the, the, the what are the, arch- I need better arche- uh, archaeological terms, uh, architectural <laughs> terms. Architectural terms. <laughs> Not flying buttresses, the, those big exposed beams and, and, things at the top of a cathedral uh, on the inside. There's architects out in our listening arch- pool arches? that are just like going insane yeah. at arch- the moment. <laughs> ribs. Spandrel, that's a word I know. The cathedral ribs up there in the, <laughs> in the heights. I'm so sorry, architectural <laughs> listeners. Uh, remember, um, if you join our Patreon, uh, you, you, can, architecture. you can give us all the crap you want to about anything you want to give us crap about, because <laughs> we'll just appreciate you too darn much. And now it's the library, which is itself uh, pretty impressive, uh, but it doesn't have the same echoing uh, space feel to it. As They're the called vaulting ribs. There we go. Vaulting ribs. Ribs was correct. <laughs> Suddenly, it doesn't smell like old stone and history. It smells like books, books everywhere. And uh, she takes you into a glassed reading room where the door can be closed and it's a little quieter. It's like, it's like a little conference room, but there are, are books along the walls here getting ready for reshelving. The light in here is brighter than the dim light out in the library itself. Dimmer than the, well, different, I guess, than the sunlight streaming in through the stained glass windows of the cathedral. But here you are. And she sits down, her yellow pattern dress crinkling, making a little crinkling sound as she sits. And she says, 
riffs uh, are what I call them a a breach, a break in um, in the order of things, a a personification of sorts, a personification of 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 um, I, I I hesitate to call to call them fables, uh, folklore, myths, um, ideas, even, but it's something like that. There's primal forces in the world, and um, you are among those, or becoming that. My understanding, which is limited, but my understanding is that um, there's a constant pressure from somewhere to make you not that, to dampen that. You mean like how every time someone in the city tries to talk about something weird that's going on, it's like like your brain can't focus on it? Yes, exactly that. And they totally forget what's going on? Exactly that. We remember. Yeah, we see stuff. Yes, and that's why you're called a rift. So, like I said, it's it's what I I call it. It's what I've heard. the The word has been used before, as if there was a breach in reality, if you want to say that, or perhaps a as some of my uh, informants have said, if you want to call it that, my research a a a breach in the lie that covers reality. I've seen you, and she looks at Baz. Baz tries to hide behind Cadence. Yeah, I put my shoulders up real big. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I like the library, BB. She squints at you behind her glasses, which are out far on her nose. <laughs> Is it wrong for a man to like to read? Yes, I've seen you here after hours, though. I, I really like to read. <laughs> you with your invisibility tricks. I bet that's you, isn't it? Yeah, I've I've been here. Yes, sorry. I I haven't I haven't broken anything. Mm, she says, scowling, as Baz thinks about it to see whether or not he has broken anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, there was that. No, I I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but you are, um, you are you are new to this. I guess I get that. I get that feeling. The way you were talking. Anyway, you don't seem to have no newer than you. It, it seems. It seems like you know a lot about this stuff. I'm the librarian. Uh, yeah. Okay, so um, somebody else told us that we need to know more to to be able to have the power to do what we need to do. I think, and uh, maybe this will make sense to you. And from what I've noticed, it's for at least this group. It's been since the reign of bodies. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I I think there were many awakenings uh, since then. I was fortunate, no one that I know, I mean, I don't have a lot of friends, but no one that I know was in that, what are they calling it, accident? Yeah, airplane. Uh, of course, that makes no sense. If you look at the newspaper reports of the time, it, it just makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, there weren't any flights, like, scheduled over the city at that time, it absolutely makes no sense. They don't even pass over directly. Where would they have come from? There wasn't any reports of wreckage. I'm just I'm just going off about like all the things that we've said out loud, just like venting a little bit. Cadence, roll investigate. 
Ooh. She might have knowledge. Um, can nice. I use... So, Janice, we're almost halfway through the season. Something has to get answered here shortly. Something's got to get answered. I want to use Charming, and I want to use... Uh, I want to use... I'm debating between Performance and All Eyes on Me. Or maybe Crowd Pleaser. I give my audience what they want. And, uh, you know, so I want to kind of be... I want to use this to lay out for her, like, what we know and what we have observed and established for ourselves. Okay. Investigate. Baz would try to help. He was actually going to, like, just read her the poem to start oh, off with. Ah, that- <laughs> uh, um, let me take a look here. I think I want to put in uh, in the crosshairs. So that's going to be at a my. Uh, we'll give you a minus one there. A minus but one. And Baz is going to help out. So that we back to a nine. And I mean, I don't know if we th- if if we think this is important enough, and if everybody agrees. But I think you know, with a new session, we can use tight like that, uh, and and get two out of it. Tight, tight like that's one of those things that's like you know i mean we're modifying yeah. a role i've just made at this point and i feel like it's like it's fine you know <laughs> we're gathering cool, information cool, cool. we're not like running for our lives or anything right <laughs> yeah so how are you how are you approaching it i mean i guess maybe convincing uh yeah um yeah so uh what i was ex- what i was going for i think i said was laying out for her by like going on a little bit of a rant like I want to concisely and accurately like convey all of the data points that we have about this incident, the reign of bodies. What you realize is that you have done very little research into into the actual reign of bodies. The actual reign. Yeah, we we uh we have got kind of distracted by these zombie motorcyclists that are going around town chasing people. Comprehensive one is the uh, status I want to give <laughs> cadence to comprehensively lay out what we know. Using your notebook, you add facts and bits and pieces right. here and there where you need to. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Don't don't forget that their eyes glow red. And their eyes glow red. Yeah, they're zombies. I mean, they're creepy things. Uh, yeah, and actually, they look kind of more like mummies, like all like dried up. Yeah. Are there are there Japanese mummies? The CEO of Ivy Corp is in on this too. We think she is silent for a few moments. You get two questions. Two questions. And it was a seven to nine. So I also get to choose one of these three. Mm, Okay. Okay. So question about the reign of bodies is what we're talking about specifically. Yeah. She's, she's obviously willing to answer questions about, you know, what she knows about riffs. Starting from baseline, not asking about any of the leads that we are following, what has she observed that she knows it's not an airplane disaster, as has been reported? What does she think happened in the reign of bodies? Okay. Of course, there's the ridiculous airplane accident um, that no one seems to have followed up on. And there was um, uh, one fellow was interviewed who thought it was a a freak weather event where just random people were sucked up into the sky by like a tornado or something and then rained back down like a rain of frogs. Yeah, we would have noticed a localized tornado. I did listen to one podcast. I was listening to a psychology podcast that uh, uh, claimed that it was a mass suicide triggered by the season. And um, there's a, a conspiracy theorist who comes in all the time who has his own zine, he drops them off upstairs, and uh, we put them into the, the self-published area. 
but um, um, he said aliens, you know, how I guess aliens are supposed to beam you up, and I guess that they don't have the technology to beam you back down. They just kick you out the door. I don't know. And then uh, I, uh, I do have a day or two off, and I, uh, around that time I was, I was over on the boardwalk, and um, well, there's that street preacher over there that um, I heard him talking about it. Oh, and, yeah. The end is nigh guy. Uh, yeah. And he said uh, it, was, uh, it was heaven summoning up the sinners to show them what they could have had and then spitting them back out to suffer the fires of hell. He mm. was quite wordy about That's it. That's a new one on me. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. Baz writes, end is nigh guy on the list in his notebook. <laughs> oh, well, he has a name. It's is, Javier. Is it Bill? It's Javier. <laughs> Javier? Yeah, unless I'm okay. pronouncing that horribly wrong. J-A-N-V-I-E-R. Of course, um, I mean, all of those are ridiculous and equally plausible. Or not plausible, I suppose. I, I mean, as you said, there was no flight over the city that day, supposedly. And the people who fell in the rain, they were not booked on any flights that day. Yeah, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Some of them were known to have been home, although these this is information that does not come out uh, in most of the the reports of the time. It's just in interviews that somehow people have just forgotten about. I personally, I I rather, I mean, the most likely one um, seems to be the freak weather incident, but uh, there's no meteorological evidence to back that up as far as I've been able to determine. Have you talked to the podcast guy, or the, the guy who drops off his, uh, his theories? The conspiracy theorist, uh, I don't believe in aliens. He just had aliens? He's just aliens. Okay. You, I can uh, grab one of the zines for you uh, if you want to um, skim through it, but it's mostly uh, quackery about uh, the, I don't know, there's like, what, three or four different kinds of aliens? Uh, and these are the silver aliens. No, I, 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 know, I know where they are. I can get them if I need to. Thanks. Uh, has anybody you've talked to seemed to remember anything about the event? Beyond, like, I don't know. I felt like it was, what, like 12 days or something? I felt like everyone stopped talking about it. It wasn't even that long. The news stopped covering it uh, two days later. It just didn't come up anymore. Or if it did, it was mentioned as the terrible airplane accident of last week. Oh, it was such a tragedy, wasn't it? Everyone says the same thing. Yes. They forgot. We did not. You did not. Yeah, they forgot. We did not. And there are others in the city also who will not have Yeah, we've forgotten. got End is Nigh Guy. Oh, yay. Well, he's probably just crazy, but perhaps. <laughs> why Why do you have... Uh, I mean, what is your interest in, in this? Um, well, um, it's personal. Uh, we all knew somebody who uh, was a body. We want to know what happened. People were hurt. People could be hurt again. We, yeah. we want to know what happened, and we want to be able to stop it. Uh, that is noble. Do you know who you are? Do you know what your mythos... I'm sorry, I'll use the plural. Your mythoi are? I'm going to be honest. I'm still trying to figure out... Like, I'm still trying to fit together what you're talking about. I mean, you're making some kind of sense, but, like, we only talked about it with each other just today. Envision this, then. Take me. I am, um, I am a librarian. Uh, here I am. 
I call okay. myself the librarian um, with capital T and capital L because I, I, my, I guess my understanding is that one of the reasons that I am able to uh, remember so well is that my mythos has lined up with my, what I call logos, my everyday life. That my mythos is an embodiment of the archetypal librarian. I am, I am the idea oh. of librarian, and that is what is coming out in in me as I grow into it, as I learn more about it, as I know more. As you said earlier, that's not always the case. Often, a rift is, for whatever reason, uh, someone that is. Um, not as, as closely aligned as you might think with their mythos, and there is a great deal of um, clash between mythos and logos as the mythos fights to try to become, to come into the world, to make its story known. And that's what, uh, as far as I can tell, that's what all of them are trying to do is to, I don't want to, I hate using the word them because it is also us. It is who we are. But it's also not, if that makes any sense. And I don't want to couch it in terms of being some sort of some sort of parasite, but perhaps more of a symbiote. A symbiote. I mean, you you will be torn. You, if you pursue this, if you know more, your mythos side will become stronger. You will lose more and more of what you think of as your humanity. You will become more and more the thing, the idea, the myth, the folklore, the the tale that is trying to tell itself through you. But that's what they all want. What we all want within our mythos wants is to tell our story. So, for instance, um, let me just take one that you may have heard. Um, Cinderella. So, the story of Cinderella is one where the this mistreated child has a chance to attend the ball and become, uh, for a time, the belle of the ball. And then that's taken away from her. And then later on it is given back in the form of the arrival of the prince and the shoes and all of that, right? Well, a mythos might try to tell its story, that story, in the life that the person who is a rift of that story is living. So you might have someone who finds themselves under, undergoing a great deal of hardship, but then winning the lottery, uh, but losing the lottery ticket, but then finding it, and then, and then finally, you know, gaining all of the... It, it, it doesn't necessarily... It's not necessarily that simple, but uh, it might be sometimes. And then there's something else. It seems almost something physical in the city that I sometimes think it's the perpetual fog, the, the mist out in the streets that tries to keep us from fully realizing those stories. It tries to keep us human and mortal, and maybe it's trying to keep us safe. I don't know. What happens if you, like, let this story fully play out? Do you, like, does it end? Like, do you go through the mist and out the other side somewhere, or do you, like... You gain an incredible power inside the city. Best I know, I 
I've only heard rumors of those who have become the full personifications, the full avatar of their mythos. I'm going to say that you have an option here for a hard choice. Will your next question on this investigate be one that follows the reign of bodies? Or is it going to be one that doesn't and therefore, you know, puts a crack in your crew theme reign of bodies? Follow the question of the riffs. Follow the question of the riffs. I was going to ask, does she think it's, does she think the reign of bodies is related? But, um. You already know the answer to that, though. We do. Don't you? She has already indicated that there have been, I mean, otherwise you'd all be, you'd all be newbies to this. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, it was going on before. Perhaps it's always been going on. Do you, I mean, short of eavesdropping on people, Phoebe, how, can, can you? My library. Okay, uh, sorry. How do you tell? I mean, short of, like, having, like, a heart-to-heart with someone, like, <laughs> which is kind of what we were doing. Um, how, how is there a way, how do you, how do you spot other ones? I think it's one of those things where if you are one, it's easier to see the others. Yeah, like Andy. I have heard of some who can see the essence of the mythos uh, in others. Some kind of, like, like, a, like a vision, almost. They'll have a, a, a momentary vision and, and see what the others... It won't be like a signpost. It'll be symbols and metaphor. Like a path. Uh, perhaps, uh, or perhaps like um, uh, with the Cinderella example that I gave, perhaps uh, you would see a homeless person down on the in, down on the warehouse district, and you would see him stand up and and then suddenly be in a a suit and in a palatial grounds of some sort, perhaps. Uh, but that's I've only ever heard it. I, I myself I cannot I can sometimes guess. But but I haven't met that many. I'll I'll be honest. There, uh, you are the most in one place that I've ever encountered. Well, I think we naturally gravitated toward each other because of this rift identity. Because you kind of already knew that cadence. Okay. I mean, you you kind of already knew that uh, right. and how to identify. If you wanna if you wanna focus in on instead of how do you tell what a rift is. I'm trying to riff off of uh, the I've seen this, what are they, to be like, is it useful to figure out what stories are people playing? How do you tell that? Something along those lines. What do you guys think? Yeah, and I mean, I think Baz might even, if it's okay, break in and say, well, you know, if if you're looking at somebody and you see, like, and and he starts describing what, what he saw of Echo without without referring to them specifically, you know, and and if uh, someone was uh, you know clearly song oriented, uh, a, a singer of some kind, uh, and using the power of song to to do whatever it is they do, uh, what would that mean? Power of song could be, I mean, it it could be the the mythos of uh, of music itself, uh, or the muse of music. Um, it could be oh. She laughs and says, it could be, uh, they could be the rift of uh, that uh, old Olivia Newton-John movie, Xanadu. Uh, do they like to roller skate? 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be very difficult to tell, I think, without a lot more information about a person, what they're, you know, even even me, it took a very long time to realize, because I wasn't expecting my mythos, once I learned about them, to actually line up with what I do. I expected it to be something else. And maybe I'm not, maybe my mythos is not the archetype of the librarian. Maybe my mythos is um, the, you know, library of Alexandria. Um, I mean, because you, your mythos could be as, as far as I, I know, I know somebody whose uh, uh, mythos is, uh, they're a sword. You, you could be a, a building or a sword. Baz is looking contemplatively at Echo, wondering if they like to roller skate. Disco lights and everything. <laughs> Well, I guess that was an example of like is there a is there a clear way to determine like your mythos? I mean, for you, like what led you to that realization and like what do you what do you do then when you find out? How do you find out? How did I find out? Yeah. Well, one thing that happened was this. And she puts out her hand and uh puts it out toward the shelves uh the rolling shelving of books that need to go back onto the the uh, big shelves outside and one just flies over into her hand and goes thump holy shit whoa but but what what does it help us to know about this mythos does that how does that help us figure out what happened and how we stop it i don't know that it does does it uh, i mean you are I mean, for finding out your own, it gives you maybe new insights into what you can do, or uh, maybe those will just appear naturally like they did for me. Um, or, I mean, but that's all about finding yourself. I mean, that's probably in the end more important than, I mean, I, I, I agree that finding out what happened to in the reign of bodies is important, and, and what happened, of course, to your your loved ones, your friends, whoever they might have been. But, I mean, in, in the end, discovery of self is, is what is important about that. If understanding these forces working within us allow us to know ourselves better and therefore allow us to um, know our, our way in the world better, perhaps. Now, knowing what somebody else is could be quite useful, I should think, in... Um, determining what their subconscious motivations are, because we don't always work toward, work consciously toward our, uh, the goals of our mythos. Sometimes we're working quite unconsciously, and vice versa. The, whatever power it is that is trying to suppress us, uh, suppress our mythos, also keeps us, keeps us um, from knowing ourselves but keeps us uh, wanting to learn more about our everyday lives, uh, embrace that more. And so that, that balance, that, um, well, anyway, that's not always conscious is what I'm getting at. And so if you, if you, as what you've said already, if your lives are entwined with the, the other, with other rifts, then knowing what is driving them consciously or unconsciously, could be a great service to you. Okay, I can see how that would help us mm -hmm. uh, interact with things, but 
I, I don't know, Cadence, this is your show, but can can we get some help figuring out what's going on? Yeah, I got a question. We had um, somebody who we met indicated to us that there are people out there who know more than us that's what's going on, and they have some kind of power they're trying to get out of it, uh, either with the Reign of Bodies or with an upcoming event that will somehow give power to people who know things. Who could have benefited from the Reign of Bodies, or who could benefit from other events like that in the future? And that's my second question. Yeah, that's one that she wouldn't necessarily know just from her own basic experience, and therefore definitely a chargeable question. Um, hmm. I, I imagine Echo whispering under their breath, Ivy Core, and you hear it like, kind of like, just like bounce off of a couple of walls really quick. Ivy Core. Ivy Core. Ivy Core. Yeah, but then are you are you affecting her? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not trying to affect anything. Just a random thought that that goes that goes out. I didn't say anything about trying. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Oops. But she says, "Well, obviously the power brokers of the city, um, the the rich and powerful, are going to find some way of benefiting from it." I don't know how. You know, I would think that you would need uh, that that whoever's involved uh, with this, whoever's benefiting from this, is probably a psychopomp of some sort. A what? A psychopomp. Uh, yeah, a creature or being that escorts the dead between realms. I sh- I should think that somebody dealing with the dead at least would have have something to do with this, but. Necromancers might uh, might be involved. Um, you guys, necromancers. We're seeing like like those people driving motorcycles all the time who are like obviously super duper dead. Super duper <laughs> dead. <laughs> so like they did some kind of a ritual to give themselves henchmen, hench people. I mean, I <laughs> I guess I I don't know why that's so surprising to me because like. Uh, <laughs> We've been seeing those guys for days now, but like necromancers. I mean, come on. But why did they need to kill people to gain those bodies when there's already plenty of dead bodies around here? Well, it might not have been the psychopomp who did the killing. I mean, who caused the rain? Um, but you, you ask who might benefit, and that's that's what I can think of. Well, this um uh, definitely confirmed though, like. You know, kids was kind of feeling like we had maybe been getting a little distracted with the motorcycle guys. And uh, this is just confirmation. We are on the right track. We are investigating the right things. She's like, I I have got to get back to work. I mean, I am the librarian, after all. Um, I sent a disturbance in the stacks. <laughs> is it just, I sent a disturbance in the stacks. But um, I I don't I don't even know. I mean, um, this was. Very interesting. I I felt almost compelled to um, help you here, and that's interesting in itself. I will have to think about this some more and what that might mean. Because normally, when I find people sneaking around my library invisible, I'm not this amiable. <laughs> yeah, Baz is reevaluating a lot of his core beliefs right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're much obliged to you for helping us out instead of kicking us out. Well, I am now. 
So off you go. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So then it is going to be montage time. Montage. And uh, as you leave, uh, she goes and puts the uh, the book back on um, on the shelving unit and starts wheeling it out, the whole roller shelf thing, wheeling it out to start putting those books back on the shelves. And uh, um, as she puts that, that book that she had levitated over to herself, she looks around the library and goes, poetry, 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 ah, and then starts wheeling that direction. All right, montage time. Cool. So now you get to each spend some downtime However, you want to. You can give attention to one of your logos uh, themes. Uh, you could work the case. Uh, you could explore your mythos. Uh, you could prepare for your next activity, which uh, would allow you to recover all your burnt power tags or gain three juice with a method based upon your description. Or you could recover from your last activity. If you have an ongoing status that affects you, you can try to reduce that and uh, get it to at least be reduced, if not totally go away. Yeah, I'd like to get rid of these voices in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, LJ. Good luck. Um, <laughs> you can try. I get to tell you what you need to do to do that, if that's what you're going for. But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay. It's not the musical episode yet. <laughs> but we're getting closer. Maybe. I feel you just found out a lot of stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. We did just find out a lot of stuff. So I was gonna uh explore my mythos, uh, but I feel like (laughs) A, Phoebe's gonna (laughs) get mad if I hang (laughs) around. You know, and I got a little bit of attention on my enclave just now. So I I I think I wanna work the case. I either wanna follow Shirley, like find Shirley and follow Shirley. Follow a desiccated one to see where they go. And where their like hive might be, or go talk to uh, Envier, the uh, end of Nigh guy. You'll get three clues, whatever method you choose, but it has to be yeah, whatever method you're choosing has to follow. Okay, uh, he's gonna. You would see him talking to the end is Nigh guy. Then I'm gonna come back to that because that's a scene. It's definitely gonna be a scene, and I want to. See where everybody else is going to fall on us, and then we'll see what, what order we'll go in to resolve things. So, Cadence, what are you thinking? I think Cadence wants to explore her mythos. She was already kind of thinking about that anyway, after that uh, super cool driving maneuver on the docks the other night. So I think now Cadence is kind of like fired up about that and wants to... I think specifically what I want to do is practice this fading out of reality thing. So, yeah, you're exploring a mystery of one of your mythos. So, mm-hmm. which one? What would happen if I drove all the way into the dark ah. is the mystery on my mobility theme. How are you wanting to explore that? Okay, so I wanted to practice my kind of clipping out of reality like I've been doing. And I'm trying to decide if I would practice it by myself on foot or in the car. And I think that. Because of my identity attachment to the car also, I think I'm going to do that. I want to kind of just start driving around maybe aimlessly and practice like dipping in and out of that liminal space that I found last time. 
and seeing where it can take me and learning details about it. How, how long can I hold myself there? Can I do it while I'm holding still instead of moving? You know, all those kinds of stuff and kind of learn the ins and outs of the rules of this power that I have. What about you, Echo? For Echo, I think they would spend, I want to say give attention to one of the logos. Because the, the, the new scary stuff is still a little unfamiliar, they go back to something that they know and spend a little time going back to... Okay, so you see Echo go back to the metal shop and start looking over all of the recording equipment and pulling pieces from here and pieces from there. An oscilloscope, an amplifier, uh, a couple of speakers, and other little gadgets and everything. And Echo actually, like, hunkers down in the back room where they've got a small little, uh, of, the, of their flat where they've got little a little workstation. But, like, hunkers down and, like, spends time, y- y- you see the soldering iron, you see a couple of little arcs from a, from a quick welder um, as they're starting to, like, work on amplifying the sound realizing that now that sound is their base of power and trying to work that into a usable force between the group making new communicators working a way to strap a a small little um oh god what's the word i'm looking for basically a small amp and some kind of strap on yeah 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 Uh, of course everybody needs one Um, some kind of amplification device and a small speaker to be able to produce extra sound beyond uh, what they can normally produce themselves. Uh, So you see a lot of, like, wires and everything being soldered. You see uh, circuit boards being put together in in a very small fashion. You've got, like, the glasses with a little lens that pops over the front so that they can, like, zoom in and magnify what they're working on you know that kind of thing and and the testing phase also where echo hooks it up to a sound register to the oscilloscope where they hum a note and you see the vibrations start to wave across the oscilloscope and just little tweaks with like a tiny little jeweler's screwdriver on one of the circuitry boards and you see the the wave peak like freak out frantically and like explode just just a whole bunch of little series of things like that where they're testing different things of where they can try to make what they know about sound engineering as well as these this new ability of trying to manipulate the sound into an effective distraction device so you are marking attention then on sound manipulation is the mechanical part here I believe that would be where I would go. And uh, that will make three. And so you can clear that off. And mark an attention. Oh, is that what that does? So I get an improvement on it. You get an improvement. Yeah. Is that like a power tag? It can be a power tag. It can be uh, one of the theme improvements from that theme book. There are a couple other options. Oh. Okay. Theme books have improvements, huh? Cadence. Mm-hmm. You take the Bronco out and you're just driving around. Some of the things you find out during the day, you have a lot harder time, even if it's overcast and raining like it always is. Uh, you still have 
a, diff- a more difficult time making that crossing into mm-hmm. the whatever you want to call that other space, the beyond, whatever <laughs> you need. to. What I'm saying is come up with a name for it. Um, <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. Maybe I'll have a name for it at the end of this uh, scene. <laughs> and uh, so night is much easier to mm-hmm. do so. And you are able to dip into the darkness. Uh, everything becomes almost slowed down around you and becomes very misty and hazy and foggy, ghostly, except for the Bronco, which itself uh, seems to almost take on a different aspect a little bit. What else do you think you might find out in your explorations of your mythos? I was wondering if it would make sense for this liminal roads not to necessarily match up with the way that the that roads exist in real life. Could I have ghostly shortcuts, you know, that would take me directions where I would not be able to drive under the sun, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I, that seems reasonable, certainly with some of the things you've done already. So you discover that. Uh, you, you, of course, actually, I don't know, did you all share the visions you saw of one another with each other? Oh, that's a great question. We didn't, and I had a scene request on that basis. I, I think that we could have. You know, I I feel like we're all kind of interested in that, and we could have left the library and, you know. I mean, I kind of agree, because as I described this and as I was noticing it, I would have probably shared that information. Yeah, maybe not right in the moment, because Phoebe kind of interrupted us, but... Um, yeah, yeah so, so maybe as we're, like, leaving the library, you know, Baz would kind of turn to Echo, and, like, serious expression, Echo, can can I ask what you saw? When you looked at me, I mean, of course. I mean, you've you've got so much more than, and I've always thought this about you. You've totally got so much more to you than what shows on the outside. You're good peoples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you, but but what did you see? There's so much I saw that I can't explain. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I mean, you know, you're a strong guy, right? Like, I don't have to tell this to you. But Andy would agree. Not even just physical strength, though. I don't know how I don't know how I don't know if it makes sense. But the you know, when people say like, oh, you're such a strong person or whatever, like it's not just about physical. You've got like, yeah, a deep like spiritual strength. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. But I can see that glow about you. Also, you looked a lot taller. I mean, but like more exaggerated. Kings. <laughs> I mean, you did. You looked physically bigger. I don't know, like. Uh, oh, okay, but and this is the third time I'm asking. What did you see? I saw both the holy and the mundane. <laughs> Echo, I don't think that's what. I don't think that's what he's asking. <laughs> what did? Uh, no, 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 no. Like you looked like an exaggerated version of yourself. Uh, I mean, in a lot of ways. Um, okay, so he's gonna take his hat off and like thrust his face <laughs> at them. And, yeah, okay, and say, that's what I'm what talking about. about. This, yeah, like an exaggerated version of that. But okay, and he I puts the hat back on and he kind of nods and falls quiet. But that's not what I see when I look at you. Yeah, no, that's not. I mean, it's not about like what somebody physically looks like. Granted, you were. You were larger. 
you you seemed more scarred. Powerful. Yeah, but b- behind all of that, you were still Baz. And something else. Yeah, you know, and something you said about yourself in there, like right before Phoebe interrupted us about not being like strong enough or something. Hey, just stop looking down at your feet. Look at my eyes. You are not weak, okay? All right? Okay. Because okay, we were looking at you, and I mean, in a couple of different, like, you looked physically powerful, but also you are strong, and you can protect people, okay? Okay, thank you. All right. Don't get down on yourself like that again, all right? Thank you. We trust each other, right? Uh, what did what did you see? I mean, for me, like, was I invisible? You seem to be wearing a kind of a military uh, coat, almost. It had the the shoulder... Things with the buttons, uh, very kind of severe cut to the coat. You did, you did seem kind of hazy. I thought, like, like you had had presence in different different places. Does that make sense? I mean, I guess different places. Yeah, different realms, uh, realities, states of being. I, I, I don't know. Huh. Okay. But like the <laughs> my coat was really clear. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, huh. maybe the clearest thing about it. All right. And, uh, you, you, you didn't have a head? What? Like, your, your head, you, I just, your head didn't really seem to, to be there. Huh. Okay. Maybe my mythos is anti-beauty industry. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> maybe it's Maybelline. Or maybe she's just born with it. Born headless. <laughs> you already kind of know what what they saw when they looked at you, uh, Echo, because Cadence was saying it to Phoebe there in the Oh yeah. In the library room. Mm-hmm. And so you all drift apart to do the things you're going to do. And as you make your way eventually, maybe that day, maybe the next, maybe the, the day after that, but, but sometime in the near future, you make your way down to the tourist trap zone, the boardwalk. Yeah, if it's time appropriate, he would go straight there because he wants to not uh, incur Phoebe's wrath right now. It takes a while to find Anvier. There are a lot of people on the boardwalk in the daytime. Uh, this presumably makes you uncomfortable, makes it more difficult to examine them and find, find what you're looking for. The boardwalk is long. It uh, encompasses a great deal of docks that extend out into the water, fishing docks as well, uh, but tourist fishing, not, not like what you'll see down in the, in the main warehouse district where Cadence took her pursuer on a ride. Right. But there are tourist fishing boats down here. There's fishing off of the docks. There's a midway, actually, with Ferris wheels and and games and such along the the boardwalk. Out in the haze of the mist, you can uh, see the uh, city marina. And it's weird here because here on the boardwalk, in the tourist trap, it's It'll have a little burst of rain here and there. It'll be a little foggy. Uh, but even as you're walking down the boardwalk, the sun burns the clouds away and bright light starts shining down upon the, the boardwalk. And 
uh, children begin to laugh and and chuckle and and go down to the little beach and play in the in the water down there. And parents uh, look on happily, and those who feel really daring have their swimsuits go down and and get some sun on the on the uh, beach or even on laying out on the wood of the boardwalk itself. And as you get further and further um, into this bright sunlight, there ahead, a small crowd around him, you see up on a quite literal box, it might not have been originally for soap, but <laughs> standing on a, a wooden crate, a small wooden crate, is a man. He is not tall, but he, his presence is. He has a very rough uh, face, sunburned and weather uh, beaten. His beard is long and uh, not a bright white, but a dirty gray and kind of interspersed with uh, wiry black. Uh, There is very little hair on his head, uh, but his eyes are a bright and piercing blue. He's wearing tatters and rags mostly, but he has enthralled the people around him as he speaks of doom and of conspiracies and of the fortunes of those in the crowd that he picks out. And you approach. Really quick, sorry, you said that's J-A-N-V-I-E-R? Is yes. the spelling of this? Okay, okay, so it's Jean Vier. Jean Vier. Let me say that here, Jean Vier, so that I can go put Jean Vier in wherever <laughs> I might need to put Jean Vier. <laughs> and this must be Jean Vier, the end is nigh guy. I love that. Who's no Bill Nye guy. Uh, yeah, so Baz would join the crowd and kind of wait <laughs> for this guy to... He'd listen, obviously, so if he's saying anything uh, in the meantime, he's there for it. But uh, Baz wants to talk to him, and he doesn't want to do that in the middle of a crowd. And so he's up there talking, 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 talking. And then he turns to you, and the sun goes out, and he looks at you and he says, It is about time you came to me, hunchback. Have you found your Agnes yet? In any case, ask. Three questions have you of me. I shall answer truthfully. What is your name? (laughs) (laughs) What is the airspeed of an unladen European swallow? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay, so uh, the sun's gone out, so it's like pitch black. It is uh, dark. You realize that the sun didn't really go out. It's just more like a cloud has a, a thick cloud has gone across the sun. Yet everybody is still standing around and listening uh, as if he didn't just turn to you and speak directly to you. It's almost like you can see two of him, uh, one of which is still speaking to the crowd and one of which is focus completely on you. Okay. But that's not a vision like the others that you've had. That's just an impression. Well, dang it. Now I want to ask about Agnes. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, that sounds like a that sounds like a hard choice, doesn't it? <laughs> who's, who's behind the reign of bodies? Who benefits from that happening? The man who comes to me on many a day to ask for advice, and to see the way. He, upon the pyramid's height, at the tip-top there, 
where shines the light. I mean, that description fits one place in the city very, very clearly. The Ivy Corp Pyramid at the edge of City Park with its great spotlight that shines up into the sky every night. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the Luxor. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, what What is there to fear from from this that's going on and this power that that he's gathering? Once he finds the way, the path into, I got, I got to rhyme it. Hold on. <laughs> Fray, slay. May, way, decay. Mm. Mm. Once he finds the path, once he finds the way into the land of decay, then he shall all his powers have, and all the city shall sway. And for some reason right there, you get a quick memory image, a flash of what you imagined when you heard what Ariel had described of the forest with the bodies hanging from the from the limbs. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, Mr. Javier. How... One more question asks you of me. Three is what you get, or fear the scree. I don't know. I got nothing. The man standing by the sea. <laughs> you did this rhyming thing to yourself. <laughs> okay. Uh, how do I stop it? How, how do I protect the innocent? Find the path. Confront him there within the space. And there in that great forest, you shall lay him to waste. Okay. Uh. Thank you, and uh, you can get back on your soapbox. And it's Sonny again, and he's always been talking to the whole crowd. Um, now he's pulling a pigeon out of his uh, sleeve, and he lets it fly into the air, and the crowd is like, woo! Okay, and then Baz will go back to uh, his enclave. And we'll find out what everybody does with all this information, and what new powers and abilities they may have on the next Gothic podcast why do we always destroy that wonderful theme song by zoe hovland it's hilarious the gothic podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama produced by c patrick nagel and goblin brook manor llc starring c patrick nagel sharon gallery lafournaise Jesse Baldwin, Eric Halbert, and me, Kirsten Valerie. Our logo was designed by Jared George Art, and our theme music is by Zoe Hovland. We stay afloat thanks to you, so if you can, please support us on Patreon and follow, like, and review us on iTunes and all our social media platforms. Thanks for joining us in the dark, Sojourners. Conan the Librarian. <laughs> oh, man, that would have been great if Phoebe had been Conan the Librarian. Librarian, instead. barbarian. <laughs> okay, 
I have determined that I am the rift of the librarian, or possibly the library of Alexandria. Get to the library catalog. Get to the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> do not leave your books behind. Put them on the proper shelving unit, but do not put them back where you found them. Oh my god. <laughs>